This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com, as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, good evening, everybody, and welcome into Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. It is the Monday after the first show in the dark in a long, long time. Weird. What a weird time we are in. It's dark outside. It's a full moon. It's November. We've got a hurricane heading our way. Just a strange, strange times. Clemson can't stop the run against Notre Dame. <laughs> it's a strange, strange time. What in the world happened to the Tigers on Saturday? That is the question of the night. What in the world happened to Clemson on Saturday? Can the Tigers still make the college football playoffs if they win out and have just one loss? I mean, Dabo Sweeney kind of started his campaign on his conference call last night, noting there's only four undefeated teams left in major college football, and there are seven eight and one teams, and they're one of them. Would a 12-1 Clemson team make it to the playoffs? Of course, a lot would depend on what happens with the other teams, but you know they're at the mercy of others now for the most part because they're going to need help to make the playoffs. That's really you know all they're thinking about, whether or not they want to win their division outright, they want to win the ACC, <clears throat> they want to beat South Carolina, win the state championship, and then I guess they'll worry about whatever comes after that. But that was a just a pitiful performance uh, by Clemson up at Notre Dame. So much was expected for the Tigers, and they just, uh, you know, from every aspect, special teams, breakdowns, uh, terrible play on offense, defense couldn't stop the run. They knew going in that Notre Dame was going to run the football. But Clemson is, um, you know, the defense, I always hang my hat on Clemson's defense when thinking about how are they going to do against certain teams. Well, you can always rely on the defense, you know. You got four first-rounders on that defensive front, according to Dabo Sweeney. And, you know, you would expect them to rise up and, and get the job done. But Notre Dame's bullish offensive line, those strong running backs, they didn't even have to worry about the passing game. I, I mean, it, it never really came into play for them, you know? So a bad night uh, for the Tigers. How quickly can they flush that and get ready for Louisville at home on Saturday afternoon? That'll be key. For Dabo Sweeney. How much do these guys still want to play? I mean, can you convince them that there is still a chance to make the college football playoffs if they can run the table? Now, that's got to be what Dabo Sweeney is selling his players. Meantime, the Gamecocks went to Vanderbilt and they had a good offensive performance. They had some very creative play calls. They had another special teams score uh, or another special teams play, another special teams big play to keep a scoring drive alive. But they couldn't stop the run against Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's running back 167 yards. That has to be concerning. South Carolina's front seven had a hard time filling gaps and getting this guy on the ground. Now, their secondary was hit hard by injuries, and they gave up uh, a few passes here and there. But as I recall, nothing, nothing really too bad through the passing game. It was mostly through the run 
that they had problems, and that was the running back, and occasionally when they had to go to the number two quarterback, Wright, who's not a thrower, he's a passer. Uh, I'm sorry, who's not a thrower, he's not a thrower, he's a runner, uh, and he had a few had a few runs against him. But the bottom line is the Gamecocks got the W. They got their sixth win. They are bowl eligible. And by the way, did somebody on this program say that Jaheim Bell would carry the ball 20 times, would touch the ball 20 times against Vanderbilt? Anybody who watched this past week knew Jaheim Bell was going to carry the ball 20 times. It's amazing how creative you can get offensively when your entire week is about you losing your job. Isn't it funny? Just Berkey comes out of nowhere and he's got a theme song playing behind him. It's just, <laughs> it's just beautiful. Yes, I said that Jaheim Bell would touch the ball at least 20 times just so that I, I, I was really thinking he would. they would do it out of spite, you know, because <clears throat> they were going to show everybody that after not giving him the ball one time against Missouri – they could give him the ball a lot against Vanderbilt. And, of course, with Marshawn Lloyd out, and also I told you that Marshawn Lloyd would not play because Shane Beamer said he was questionable. Shane Beamer's world questionable, that's terminology for not going to play. I mean, every time he says that about a player, the player hasn't played. So you can read between the lines whenever he gives an update on the health. But uh, Bell looked good. Here's the thing, uh, Bergie, about um, the whole play calling for the Gamecocks. Against teams like Vanderbilt uh, or teams that they think, I guess going in, they think they have a, a physical and talent advantage against, their play calling is loosey-goosey, free-flowing, creative, uh, not vanilla, has a lot of twists and turns to it, imagination. But when they line up against the better teams, let's see what they do against Florida, but when they line up against the better teams, they get they, they – get, um, very plain, very bland. They maybe it's they, they feel they can't they can't you know block them or run the creative plays against the better defenses that they face. But when they when they play a Charlotte or a South Carolina State or a Vanderbilt or a Georgia State, man, they're doing all kind of wheeling and dealing out there. I, I don't understand why they don't call plays and run the offense in a similar fashion against everybody on their schedule. Yeah, you bring up a terrific point, especially you would think you'd be more creative against the teams you thought you had a talent disadvantage, like, say, a Georgia. Well, we're not going to be able to line it up and run it between the tackles against Georgia, so how do we move the football? Let's stick to carry on Joyner back there and let him run some Wildcat, maybe have him throw. Let's get Kai Kroger out there, who may be the best quarterback on the team but doesn't get to play that position, and you know, do some creative things. But you're right, they've only done that against teams that I think we all believe they're probably two touchdowns better than it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. They need to uh, they need to look at that and think about that going into this Florida game. Their last three: Florida, Tennessee, and Clemson. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, we're going to have to put up with at least one night of uh, hacking here because I'm on the tail end of this head cold, and that means um, post nasal drip into the throat that causes one to have to cough from time to time. I hate to be that descriptive, but I might as well give you the medical explanation of what's going on um so th- yeah they need to be more outside the box when they're playing these these teams that are better than they are like florida this coming week i say florida's better they probably are and, and florida looked really good in beating texas a&m in college station anthony richardson looked like the quarterback everybody says he can be big strong runs it 
and then that sets up the play-action pass. They got their ground game going against Texas A&M, and um, that's going to be tough for South Carolina because they've never really been good stopping a mobile quarterback who can hurt you with the run and the pass. This is going to be a huge, huge test for them coming up in Gainesville. If there's a game, because, you know, we got uh, this big storm coming, and it's going to hit the coast of Florida and then come up the coast like starting, I don't know what, Thursday, Friday? I wonder if it's going to impact, you know, schedules like hurricanes do. Very possible, and as a matter of fact, I, I would not be surprised because just looking at the uh, short-range forecast field ahead to Friday, and this is prior to the hurricane, I, I would not be surprised if we see some ice playoff games being moved over to Thursday night as well because I yeah. think at least in our part of the, the state, there's rain being called for on Friday, so we may be in a situation where we get high school games moved to Thursday, and you're right, South Carolina, Florida, if it hits the east coast of Florida, it may be difficult for that game to get in on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, yeah, we'll be keeping a close watch on that. And so, as you can probably guess, uh, Bergie is getting ready for a uh, Coastal Carolina basketball game. Basketball season is here, officially uh, began today, and in fact, you've got uh, Clemson playing tonight at home against the Citadel. They'll tip it off a little bit after 7 o'clock. And earlier today, the uh, the Clemson women opened their season, and they had a big win over um, Gardner-Webb. They played that game this morning. Tipped that thing off, what, about 11 o'clock or so? They won it 81-54. to So they opened the season 1-0. and uh, Ruby Whitehorn led Clemson with 17 points and 9 rebounds. Up next, they will host Wofford on Thursday, and that tip-off will be at 7 o'clock. So you can't wear your pajamas. Well, you can wear your pajamas <laughs> in that one if you want to. And what uh, exciting opponent is Cliff Ellis bringing into the HTC Center tonight? Well, Cliff Ellis, believe it or not, getting ready to begin his 48th season as a head coach and his 16th here at Coastal. I was four years old to put mm. this into perspective when Cliff began coaching. Uh, the players will take on St. Mary's. No, not, not that St. Mary's from California. The one from Maryland was a Division three opponent. And so, uh, matter of fact, Coastal's got two of those games to open up the season. They'll face Methodist on Friday. And the unique part of this is, as a Division One team, you can count this in your win-loss record. So if Coastal were to win tonight, it would, they would go to 1-0. But it would not affect St. Mary's because, in their mind, and Methodist as well, it's an exhibition for them. So this is a, a St. Mary's team that averaged about 70 points a game last year at three players averaging 10 points or more. But, again, it's a mismatch in terms of competition. The more interesting part from a Coastal perspective is, who the heck are the guys on the team? They have 11 newcomers, Phil. I'm not sure I've ever seen a team that had this much overhaul in a roster the way Coastal has had 10 transfers and one incoming freshman. So that's the bigger issue right now is just finding out what Coastal has. And a couple of their guys won't play tonight. Matter of fact, they've had the flu bug, much like we're all dealing with right now, but the flu bug has run through the team. So they may have a couple of guys that can't go tonight. But just trying to find the identity and figuring out who these guys are may be more interesting than the opponent that they're playing tonight. Yeah, they'll sell a lot of programs, I'm sure, <laughs> Without doubt. as the fans try to figure out, you know, who's in that Shauna Clear uniform. Uh, Clemson, as I said, will be taking on the Citadel. Uh, beginning at 7 o'clock. USC women tonight at 8.30 tip off against East Tennessee State. It's a big night over at the CLA for the USC women as they raise another national chip, another national championship banner to the, uh, to the, to the top of the uh, Colonial Life Arena. Don Staley keeps winning 
championships and uh, raising banners there at uh, the CLA. So good for them. They'll tip it off at uh, 8.30 tonight. You've got uh, North Greenville tonight <clears throat> playing at Furman. Carolina University, never heard of them, playing tonight at Presbyterian. Bob Jones is playing at Wofford. Winthrop is up at Penn State. Chattanooga playing at the College of Charleston tonight. Brevard at South Carolina, I'm sorry, South Carolina Upstate. And we've got uh, Tacoa Falls at Charleston Southern tonight. Always good to see Tacoa Falls <laughs> on the schedule. See them every so often pop up on a basketball schedule. And, and it'll be it'll be a lopsided game, I'm guessing, Charleston Southern, because anytime you play Tacoa Falls, the final is somewhere in the neighborhood of 115 to 40. Typically, typically. They don't play good defense at Tacoa Falls, <laughs> no, <they don't. laughs> to say the least. And going on right now, Cincinnati and Louisville. And, uh, oh, I'm sorry, that's women's game. I thought that was a a men's contest. That's a women's game. Anyway, Louisville is leading 56-44 uh, to 44 in women's play over Cincinnati. Uh, you do have um, Kentucky playing tonight against Howard, just looking at some of the other games. SEC, ACC, Jacksonville at Duke, Stetson at Florida State, UT Martin at Pitt, Tennessee, Tech at Tennessee, and Lafayette at Miami, Texas A&M, Corpus Christi at Mississippi State, Clayton at Georgia Tech. Why do we play these games? North Dakota State at Arkansas, George Mason at Auburn. That could be decent. Probably not. Cornell at Boston College, Stony Brook at Florida, Western Carolina at Georgia, Southern Indiana at Missouri, and uh, Lehigh at Syracuse. How about this? would be good. Uh, Memphis and Vanderbilt uh, tonight. That will be a good ball game. A good opener. Uh, Fairfield at Wake Forest. Longwood playing at uh, Alabama. UNC Wilmington at North Carolina. Alcorn State at Ole Miss. North Carolina Central at Virginia. Delaware State at Virginia Tech. Of course, tomorrow... South Carolina men open up against South Carolina State. Nope. And I know our listeners were concerned. Uh, Carolina University is actually in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Okay. I'm glad glad you're on top of that. All right. Are you going to be with us till the bottom of the hour? I will stay till 630. I'll check in with my other radio station to make sure they've got me and should be good to go for the next 10 minutes or All so. All right, good. Well, let's hit the break, and then we'll come back with phone calls and get your thoughts about the weekend. Phone number 888-898-2525. Of course, that is the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number here on Sports Talk. And since 2002, more than $6 billion in lottery proceeds have been used to support South Carolina educational programs. Learn more about the lottery's impact at sceducationlottery.com slash education wins. Playing for fun is a win for education. We'll be back in a moment. Score a touchdown with Founders Federal Credit Union. With services like Founders Online and the Founders app, you'll enjoy all the perks of a big bank with local personalized service. Not a member? Joining Founders Federal Credit Union is easy. Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com or one of our 37 convenient locations to see if you qualify for membership. Relax with Founders. Terms and conditions apply. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. 
When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games. Sit from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the strawberry watermelon margarita or dangerous waters. Cheer on the team with cantina nachos or wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. Hope, life, and the great Palmetto. What do these things have in common? Scholarship dollars. The SE Hope, the life, and the Palmetto Fellow Scholarships are funded by the lottery players of this great state. And after 20 years, you've invested over $7 billion in education. $7 billion. Impressive. The South Carolina Education Lottery. When you play, we all win. Okay, we're back on Sports Talk. Phone number 888-898-2525. South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number to reach us to your phone calls in just a second. Just want to touch on the other games on Saturday from around the state. Besides the ones, of course, involving the teams we talked about already. They got Benedict going 10-0, beat Allen 54-21. And they will play for their conference championship at home this Saturday against... Uh, got to double check that. I think it's Tusculum. The Tusculum? I think it's Tusculum. But what a year the no, Tigers. No, 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 no. Tusculum's in a different league. Yeah, you're right. I'm trying to think who it is. Uh, but they're ten and zero, undefeated regular season. I think that's a first in their history. Charleston Southern beat Robert Morris thirty four twenty one. UT Chattanooga beat the Citadel thirty one twenty one. Emory and Henry thirty two. Erskine nothing. How about Limestone over Barton thirty four twenty eight. I think Limestone is like 7-3 and three on the season. Newberry over Wingate, 24-15. Newberry will play Mars Hill at home Saturday for the South Atlantic Conference Championship. Shorter beat North Greenville, 31-14. Dayton over Presbyterian, 52-28. Delaware State, 27. SC State, 24. Western Carolina, 36. Wofford, 29. And the Bengals beat the Panthers, 42-21. Today, the Panthers fire two assistant coaches. One of their moves today, and I think and activated Sam Darnold too. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, and they and they have a Thursday night game against Atlanta. Tuskegee, that's who it is. There you go. Yeah, you yeah. had the Tus right. Tuskegee. Tuskegee. Yeah. Thank you, thank you to the Big Kahuna, Bobby Harton, shooting that to me on a text. Always need help, especially when my brain is clogged, like it is right now. So, uh, let's go to the phones, and we have Hank in Columbia. With us up first tonight, Hank, welcome into Sports Talk. How are you? I'm doing fine, Corn. Yes, sir. Corn, 10 for 10 over 300 yards. Uh, you know, um, some uh, weeks ago, some people were all, almost questioning whether DeCarry and Joyner was ever a, a power one player. And I think that receiver may not be just his niche, but the kid is just a, an athlete. And he's, he's one of the guys where – um, you would at least give him four or five chances a game to go out there with a set that gives you a runner and a um, thrower from the quarterback position just for a change of pace or just like they did the other night. Because 
He was nine for nine in the bowl game. The other night, when he took that ball to do that, to run that play, the play was to the post, but they, but Vanderbilt had covered it up, and then he moved to the outside and hit Juice Wells. Mm-hmm. He's just, a, he's just a playmaker. He's an athlete. Who's an athlete that's probably been haunted by the fact that he is an athlete with no true position. But you got to find a place for him. Uh, he can help you, like you said, at quarterback. It's a good changeup. It's something that showed some creativity on their part in calling plays and doing something to throw Vanderbilt off. Now, I will say a great deal of the credit for the touchdown on that play has to go to Wells because he made the catch and then he made one guy miss, made another guy miss, and then took it to the house. But Joyner made a nice move. He did a nice spin move. Uh, he he took mm-hmm. the pitch and made a nice spin move and. And then you can put him at quarterback and and let him run the Wildcat. He, he did that at least once and, and got a nice gain out of it. So he should be used. I mean, you got to get your most athletic, gifted, talented players on the field. It's up to them to figure out a way to do that. And think about this, Corn. Not only – yeah, Juice Wells had a lot to do with the, the touchdown, but every time that the Karen's been asked to get on the field to help spark plug the offense or whatever, he never looks – Nervous about it. I mean, they, you know, Vanderbilt ran a little stunt at him. He spun out of it and and moved laterally until he hit Wells. But even when he went um, in the game against Georgia that they won, remember he had the, the torn up hamstring. Mm-hmm. But once um, Helinski went down, he went in and 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 kind of steered that. How you say you steer a car into the parking space? He steered that game on into the <laughs> into the parking space. And in the bowl game last year. There was no point that he ever looks nervous when he's when he when he's being called in to do these things. <laughs> yeah, they got to use him. I mean, he can do some really good things in the right situation, the right time, um, and it worked for them. It worked for them the other night. You got to keep this in mind. And thank you for the phone call, Hang. This is where I have a real hard time heaping too much praise on him. It was Vanderbilt. I mean, seriously. It was Vanderbilt. You have to consider who you're playing against. Right, Chris? It was Vanderbilt. But in, in, in fairness, and you're right, you're right, it was Vanderbilt, but it's also a Vanderbilt team that took Georgia into the fourth quarter and had a chance to win that game. Played Missouri a whole lot better than South Carolina did. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, but you're right. I mean, it's it's not Georgia's defense that you were running at it. I would like to see them stay more creative. I don't think Hank's right. We talked DK throughout the season. He, he just vanished on that bench. And every time he comes in, he produces. And if Shane Beamer is is true to his word about trying to get his playmakers the ball, the carry-on joiner is one of his playmakers. He needs to get an opportunity every game, not just once in a while, every game to make a play. All right, let's go to Vern in Bishopville. Vern, welcome into Sports Talk. How are you tonight? Good to have you with us. I'm doing all right. What, uh, um, I'm going to just ask one question. I'm going to get off your phone. I'll never call you again. Okay. What did the carry-on joiner do to you? What did he do to you? You, you, you bashing him. What did he do to you? To me personally, to me, per you mean to me directly and personally? What did to you personally? What did that twenty-two-year-old young man did to you personally? What did he did to you? He's never. I haven't bashed a carry-on joint of Vern. What are you talking about? For five years. Oh, oh come, come on! Come on! Did he hang up? Yeah, he's gone. Is that why I heard myself when I said, "Oh, come on." Nobody's bashing DeCarry. What are you talking about, Vern? And don't hang up. Be a man. <laughs> Be a man and talk it out, man. What are you mm-hmm. talking about hanging up? Nobody's who's, who's bashed DeCarry on Joiner. All I've ever said is he's 
he's a guy with um, he's unfortunately he's got talent, but as far as South Carolina's concerned, they've not been able to find the right place to put him in and leave him where he can excel. I mean, they tried at wide receiver. Apparently, he's not as good as the wide receivers ahead of him. He doesn't play defense. He's not better than the quarterbacks they have ahead of him. So, what are you going to do, Chris? I mean, they. I don't. I mean, they're going to play the best players who can help them win. Yeah. But, but a guy with this talent, you'd like to find a place for him to be able to contribute in some way, and they found a little bit of a way to do that against Vanderbilt. I agree. Uh, they certainly did. They had enough packages where he could come in and make plays, and we saw it in the bowl game last year when he had to come in because of the injuries that they had a quarterback, and he was actually better than everybody they had available at that point in time. But, yeah, I would like to see them utilize him more. There's no question. He's, he's a good kid. He's a terrific athlete. He's a player from our state. By the way, I got confused. It was uh, Missouri that played Georgia fairly close. Vanderbilt got blown out by the Bulldogs. So. Yeah, it's okay. Of course, everybody else has, too. Yeah, what a job by <laughs> Georgia, man. You got to really tip the cap to them. What a what a great job they did on Saturday. That defense was tremendous. All right, we'll let you run, let you get ready for your top ten showdown tonight. <laughs> and we'll talk Looking to you tomorrow to night. You guys. All right, buddy. Yes, sir. Thank you. And we'll be back after the break. We'll continue with your phone calls in a moment. After edition of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Great to have you with us. Pat was just telling me off air. He's seen some tweets from David Shelton and Lou Bajak about some games being rescheduled for high school football, even as early as Wednesday. Looking ahead to this weather moving in. I hate that. I hate that for everybody. Yeah, and that's right. So I'm trying to compile a list right now, but just reading off David Shelton's page, Fort Dorchester and Berkeley will now play Wednesday night. Um, let's see. There were a few others. Uh, Brooklyn Casey and Dylan have are now playing Thursday at 7 p.m. Uh, see that from Lou Bajak over at the state. And let's see. I know there's a few others. There's a handful of others as well. I'll put a list together, but I've seen at least four games thus far that have been moved to either Wednesday or Thursday night. All right, let me give you a few other notes. <clears throat> then we'll get back to your phone calls. We've got the um, – oh, by the way, the USC women – Won the SEC Tournament Championship yesterday, beating Alabama. So they advanced to the NCAA Women's Tournament, a number three seed, and they will host. The Gamecocks will face Wake Forest. And haven't seen a game date and time for that yet. Meantime, Clemson going in as a number five seed. And the Tigers will host in their first round. They'll take on Vanderbilt on Friday Three o'clock. Okay. Of course, the uh, Panthers activated Sam Darnold, as we mentioned earlier, and they fired cornerbacks coach Evan Cooper and defensive line coach Paul Pascaloni, the former Syracuse head coach. A six day hold on the game time and network for Miami at Clemson and uh, South Carolina, Tennessee, same day will be either seven o'clock on ESPN or 7 30 on the ESPN network. USC punter. Kai Kroger was named co-special teams player of the week in the SEC. He's averaging 45 yards a punt. And as um, was mentioned earlier, he throws a nice ball. 
<coughs> anytime they run a fake. Furman is 16th in the AFCA, FCS top 25 this week, and they are 13th in the um, stats, FCS top 25. Coastal Carolina at Virginia, November 19th. They'll have a 3.30 kickoff. That'll be on Bally Sports, the ACC's regional sports network. Two remaining undefeated HBCU teams. In Division One. Jackson State. In Division Two, Benedict, as I mentioned, with the help of uh, the Big Kahuna, it'll be Tuskegee coming to Benedict. <coughs> Two o'clock kickoff on Saturday. So tickets are being sold. Tickets are available for that. And our poll question of the week, our poll question of the week is as follows. Clemson lost their first game of the season on Saturday at Notre Dame, damaging their chances for making the CFP. Should the Tigers win their final four games to finish 12-1, and would they deserve, not would they make it, this is not a would they make it, this is would they deserve one of the four spots. 354 votes in just today. 85% say, hell no. Not just no. They're saying hell no. 15% say, yeah, we love our Tigers. <laughs> what do you think? 12 and 1? They'll be in consideration, obviously. And you got to see what happens around them. Uh, they'll be in the conversation if they can. And they have to win impressively. They got to kill some people. Can they do it? Right now, let's, let's face it, Clemson is lost at quarterback again. They're in that quagmire of not knowing what to do. They're in that quagmire of they can't stay with Uyangale if he makes mistakes, and Klubnik's not ready. You people who thought he was just going to waltz in there and be a superstar, he's not ready. I think he's proven that. He's got potential, but he's not ready. Um, and, and when you're not running the ball, and Notre Dame shut down the running game, and you're not getting the ball to receivers in the passing game, um, that's, a, that's troublesome. And then, of course, your defense not helping you out by not getting off the field and not stopping Notre Dame's running game. And you give up two touchdowns, one on a pick six and one on a special teams on a punt block. That doesn't help you. It was a complete meltdown by Clemson Saturday. Phil, I am curious. You mentioned Kate Klubnick. I want to hear your thoughts on the decision to bring him in uh, in the midway through the third quarter. They brought him in at his own inside his own ten yard line. Uh, essentially, similar to Syracuse, they were looking for a spark against Notre Dame. But you're bringing him in on the road inside his own ten yard line. Currently losing fourteen to nothing. He makes a terrible, an ill-advised throw. Something you expect from a freshman. An ill, an ill-advised throw that is, of course, intercepted. Notre Dame then scores, but then you immediately pull him from the game and go back to DJ. Just curious whether he was set up to fail, quite frankly, and then for the decision to then go right back to DJ. I just can't help but wonder what that does to the, to the guy's confidence. Excellent point. Terrible handling of the situation, if you ask me. You're not doing either one <clears throat> any good. And, you know, regardless of the front that Uyangale puts on, you know, supportive and slapping of the back and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah, that's that's true. But 
he's got pride and he's got an ego and you know he doesn't like being pulled and you know it's got to eat at him and it's got to cut into your what it does now is it makes you overly careful as the quarterback you make a mistake you get pulled you throw a pick you get pulled I mean Clemson has given him a pretty long leash but that leash has gotten a lot shorter over the last couple of games and 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 I guess justifiably so but now I mean it's two games in a row they've run Klubnik out there in that situation to try to rally the troops and um well I guess like I guess against Syracuse it did it did some good um but against Notre Dame, like you're right, they, they put him in a tough situation back there and asked him to to maybe, you know, do the impossible. And they came up short there. So we'll see how they handle that moving forward. In the meantime, we get back to your phone calls, 888-898-2525. We go to Ken in Columbia. Next up here on Sports Talk, Ken, welcome in. How are you? Doing great, Phil. Uh, two things. We're talking about Alabama and Clemson. I think Clemson is liking coaching, and I think they don't have the talent that they once have. I mean, Shipley's good, but he's not Travis Etienne. The receivers have definitely fallen off. Alabama, on the other hand, has talent, but lack coaching. I was trying to get in last week because all this stuff about Alabama, they've only got about uh, past a lot of teams, and uh, they've been very, very undisciplined. Uh, 15 uh, penalties against uh, Texas A&M, not A&M, but uh, 16 against A&M, 15 against Texas, turned the ball over, making mistakes. Nick Saban going for two back-to-back. Had he not done that and just kicked the extra point, that field goal to kick near the end of the game would have won the game. Mm -hmm. And I believe really that the tide has changed in the SEC West. I think Brian Kelly – will start to dominate the West. Ooh. And I think that, uh, yes, I think Brian Co- Kelly is a much better coach than Nick Saban. He's already proven it. And going for that uh, two points the other night really uh, won that was over gutsy. the LSU fans. That yeah. was and, gutsy. Yeah. 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 And, you know, this, so was a not, guy, it, this was a guy that they ridiculed <clears throat> in the offseason because of some recruiting things he was doing and trying to maybe be something that he wasn't in recruiting. He got ridiculed on – what TikTok and all the other social media things. And then the Florida state game, you know, they blew that and, and all, you know, from the very beginning, people were starting to question and man, they have caught fire. They have just caught fire. And, uh, you know, they, they got a real, they got three more league games to go, but they, they can win those league games. They're going to win the West and play Georgia for the championship. I don't think anybody had that in the preseason. Well, the thing about it though, again, that Alabama has a talent. I mean, Bryce Young is probably one of, if not the best quarterback in college football. Look at the plays he's made. I mean, and they got talent on offense, defense, but it's coaching. I think that Nick Saban losing these coaches over the years, and you look at Kirby Smart winning championships at Georgia. You look at uh, Sharkees, and he's going to get things rolling at Texas. You look at Lane Kiffin. I just think, and people are saying this. I heard Feinbaum talk about it, mm-hmm. about Saban's age. He's 71 years old. He doesn't like the way college football is going right now. You're looking at Hugh Freeze maybe going to Auburn. So I meant the SEC is going to be tough in the East and in the West. Now, I don't know whether Saban, and, and I think like Mike Tyson, once you get knocked out, people aren't afraid of Alabama anymore. Yeah. All this 18 yeah. and 19. I said, what are people talking about? They've seen Alabama play 19 points this month. No, they're not 
as good overall, and I do, do believe keep in mind. And look for, that's right. Keep in mind, and thank you for your phone call, Ken. Keep in mind this: as soon as you start counting a guy like Saban out, that's when he turns around and and he shows you otherwise. Yeah, they're not going to win the championship this year. They've got two losses. They lost on a kick at Tennessee, and they lost on a two-point conversion at LSU. All right, 32-31 overtime, 52-49, both on the road. Um, now, let's see what they do down in Ole Miss. Are they going to be hungover and not interested? <clears throat> is, Ole, is Ole Miss going to be jacked so sky high this weekend at Oxford that they play an, a, a, an unbelievable game and just takes it to Alabama? I mean, yeah, this year it's going to play out where they're not going to go anywhere in terms of a championship. Um, but I would not at all discount Saban, and people want to start talking about his age and stuff like that, and I think that's ridiculous. Alabama Alabama re- attracts players on top of players, and I don't know. Maybe is the coaching a little down? I think they're a little thin at wide receiver. I think this is the year they've had a little bit of a drop-off at wide receiver in terms of talent compared to what they're used to having, but they'll get that fixed, and I don't know. I, I, I don't cover them closely. You know, I don't know enough about them to sit here and say this coach or that coach, but I'm, I've never really heard you know, too many people complain about the coaching at Alabama when they were winning championships. You know, you're going to have that year. This is the year they came up short. They came up short field goal at Tennessee, and they came up short LSU. Should they have won both of those games? I mean, Tennessee is a great team, even though they got handle, handled by Georgia. They're still really, really good, and LSU is at home at night really, really good. And they played really, really well and didn't back down to Alabama. So, I don't know. You're going to have those years where it just doesn't fall your way. The mighty have fallen here a little bit. Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma, the mighty have fallen a little bit. Michigan, remember, took a step back for a couple years. People were ready to run Harbaugh out. Look at them now. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Ohio State had a couple of uh, bumpy years there as they made that transition from Meyer to today. I think they had what they they were down one year, weren't they? Ohio State. There was a bad year in there somewhere where they had to come back. My point is, you can't stay on top forever. Georgia right now is the king. Georgia's the king. Their day is coming. It's not going to be this year. Could be next year. Um, does Bennett have another year with all the COVID extra years and all this super senior stuff? Does he have another year? If he has another year, then they might have another great year next year. But when they transition to their next quarterback, and I mean, I know they got a bunch of highly recruited guys, but you know, we shall see. But their time's coming. They're gonna they're gonna have their little step back at some point in time. So I'm not gonna be quick here to bury Saban, you know, like you are Ken or some of the other talking heads around the SEC might be doing. They might be taking some great satisfaction in the fact that Alabama's had a couple of hard luck defeats. Um, you know, Alabama's just Alabama, and they're not going anywhere. All right, we got to hit a break here on Sports Talk, and we will continue with your phone calls. The number 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number to reach us here on Sports Talk. Hey, remember... If you are seeking to get away to that perfect vacation, be sure to call Jimmy Smith 
at pauliesvacationrentals.com, 843-237-4246, for your perfect beach getaway on the web at pauliesvacationrentals.com. They'll take care of you in terms of a rental, short-term, long-term, or perhaps a purchase. We'll be back. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. I love sports, and I've helped people for over 30 years. Contact me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com when the insurance company won't pay your claim or you have complicated issues. Some other business causes your business to lose money? Jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. When you lose a relative and find out you got cut out of a will or don't get what was promised. When you have serious injury, like from a wreck or mishap or on the job. Jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. In Columbia, South Carolina, game days are our specialty. Whether you're watching the game from inside the stadium or from the big screen at your favorite local spot, the energy remains the same. Craft the perfect fall Saturday in a city where there is plenty of action on and off the field. From tubing and kayaking to Soda City to rooftop restaurants and plenty barbecue, we're ready when you are. Plan your weekend at experiencecolumbiasc.com. South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions plated for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow-roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at secattle.org. Beef. It's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program. We'll get back to your phone calls right now on Sports Talk, 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number to reach us here on the program. And we go next to Andy in Columbia once again. Andy, welcome into Sports Talk. How are you? Corn, Pat. Hello. Thank you. And I'm doing great. <laughs> Let's talk a couple of things. Jets, six and three. And the pack, are they on the tank? Who are they looking for for their number one pick, for the number one overall pick? Better take a receiver. Well, I just didn't know if y'all already had the decision already made, considering you're probably going to be the number one overall pick. Yeah, we'd uh, have to slide a little bit more maybe to outmaneuver the Panthers for that or somebody else, but we're pretty close right now. Hey, I'm not going to defend them. It's terrible. It's awful. It's horrible. When when you get slapped around by Kevin Cohn's Detroit Lions, you're in bad It's embarrassing. Embarrassing. <laughs> Three trips inside the what the red zone, the ten yard line, maybe even. I was driving back from the airport and trying to listen to the ball game, and I mean throwing picks, trying to run a tackle eligible to a guy with a bad knee and throwing a pick, and just terrible, terrible. Well, I heard some, a very interesting stat today that um, last year against the division, Mr. Favre had I think three hundred eighty four passes. You mean Rogers? Rogers, I'm sorry, had 384 passes, zero interceptions. Mm-hmm. This past weekend, I think it was what he had 29 um, attempts with three interceptions. It's terrible. Yeah, terrible. It's, it, it's pretty sad for you. Good game for the Gamecocks, kinda. 
I mean, my God, there were such holes and not able to tackle anybody. I'm kind of scared to see what's going to happen this week coming up. Congratulations to Clemson for finally showing us who the real team is. Um, I really appreciate that. And um, a couple of questions for you. Mm-hmm. I meant to ask you this last week. Is Christian Walker the first South Carolina alumnus to win a gold glove? I know Mookie didn't win one. Did Brian Roberts? I don't think he won one. What about um, Jackie Bradley? Jackie Bradley surely won at least one in Boston. Yeah, he won one in center, didn't he? I think he did, yeah. Yeah, so he'd be the second one. I wasn't sure if Christian was the first or not. Mm -hmm. Now, another question. With the little chop being fired down in South Florida, do you think you'll see him back in Clemson next year? Or if there's a change at South Carolina, an offensive coordinator – would the little chop look at South Carolina, or is there just so much animosity because of what happened to the big chop while he was here? Uh, there's a lot to unpack there. I think that, um, first of all, he'll probably try and find a good coordinator's job somewhere, first and foremost, at the Power 5 level. Uh, I would imagine that'd be his first choice to try and find something like that that, that becomes available. I don't foresee Clemson having an opening unless Brandon Streeter gets a head coaching job somewhere. Now, failing all that, I could see him coming back to Clemson in an analyst role, you know, if he feels like that's something he wants to do and Dabo wants to make room for him. And South Carolina doesn't have an opening. Well, come on, Phil. Give us a, give us a little bit of time. There'll be an opening. Oh, you know what? You said that last year at this time. And was there an opening? No. no, I don't. I don't think I was on. The not you. Cabinet. Not the people on the website. Y- 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 y'all cannot think for Shane Beamer. You're trying. Well, I'm not. I'm not on social media. I don't okay. do those kind of things. Well, but you know, I'm you got just, people I'm trying just, to do all this thinking for Shane Beamer, and you know what? He does his own thinking. He might know, give I'm the guy a three-year contract extension. I'm just looking at what the results are on the on the field, and you know, I just think after what's been going on that. There are some issues there, and um, we could end up losing some very good athletes who aren't getting their amount of um, play time because of the way he's running his offense. Well, and you're always going to lose players. And the way our offense is stumbling over good SEC-quality defenses, then there needs to be some kind of changes made. Yeah. But my, you still didn't really answer my question. If there was an opening in South Carolina, is there too much animosity for Jeff Scott to even consider the position? I can't speak for Jeff Scott. I don't know how Jeff I mean, Scott feels well, about you know, South Carolina. I mean, he I'm spent his if- youth, he spent the middle part of his youth in Columbia. He coached in Columbia at Blythewood. That was where he got his kind of got yep. his start in coaching. Um, I mean, you know, South Carolina fired his dad because he wasn't winning enough ball games after five years. That's the business. I think he realizes that. He only got three years at yep. South Florida. You know, is he never going to go back and visit Tampa? Um, so so <clears throat> if something were to happen, I don't know what, if any, relationship there is between Shane Beamer and Jeff Scott, if there is any. Um, but you got Bobby Bentley's also available. You know, you got other people on that staff would be available. And, um, you know, Bobby Bentley should find a job somewhere as well. That's a, a very fertile offensive mind waiting to be 
plucked by somebody. Um, yeah, I, but is he as good of a recruiter as a Jeff Scott is nationwide? Oh, probably not. No, right. He hasn't been in that really that been in that role. I think that would help South Carolina's offense tremendously is to have more of a um, country, someone who has more of a touch around the country recruiting-wise than um, what we have. So what now. are you going to do if the Gamecocks win their last four and finish with um, 10 wins? you going to fire the offensive coordinator? It depends on how they win. If the defense carries them and the offense looks like crap, hmm. you know, then something Well, they're not going to win their last four unless the offense is doing something. To contribute, you know. Corn, let's put it to you this way. Abbeville scored 70-something-odd points. 70. Last week, right, with their offense only having 11 plays. So don't tell me. Well, now, come on. Okay. All right. It can Abbeville, happen. you're talking about I'm just apples and oranges happen. here. And Abbeville I'm was playing a very poor team. And thank you very much for your phone call. Yeah, for those who don't know this, this was – Maybe the stat of the night in the country on Friday night. I got to go back and see who Abbeville played. Who did they play in the playoffs last night? On the playoffs uh, Friday night. Let me pull this up real quick. Got it right here. That'd be two A playoffs. Abbeville beat Oh Columbia High, seventy to fourteen. They ran eleven plays on offense. That's it. They had two punt returns for touchdowns. They blocked a punt for a touchdown. They had a pick six for a touchdown. So that's, that's four touchdowns right there. And then they ran one-play drives that went for touchdowns. They had 11 snaps from the line of scrimmage. They scored 70 points. But, I mean, with all due respect, I mean, Columbia High is, is struggling as a football team, and Abbeville is one of the giants of, of 2A, you know. That was going to happen in a first-round playoff game, no matter who you put them up against uh, in, in terms of the first round. They were going to play a four-seed or lower, whatever the seeds are. They're going to play a four seed, and they're going to beat them badly. So, all right, thank you for your phone call. Uh, we're hitting the top of the break. We'll come back with more of your calls. Uh, Zach Willis to come at the bottom of the hour. We got recruiting for the weekend as well. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. And good to have you with us. Don't forget, if you ever lose us over the airwaves, a lot of times now this time of year, basketball games and the like, We'll bump us off, but you want to stay with us. We always appreciate that. You can get us on any of our feeds, our, our feed on Twitter, of course, at Sports Talk SC, and on our YouTube channel and our Facebook page, Sports Talk Media Network. For both of those, our audio feed on our website, just click on the link on the website, sportstalksc.com, where it says listen to the Sports Talk stream. I'll take you right to it. Clemson and the Citadel underway at Little John Coliseum. And uh, let's tell you that uh, it's a 7-4 to four Clemson lead early on. Hunter has six points for the Tigers, make that 8-4, to four, three and a half minutes in. And Chase Hunter leading the Tigers right now. He has six of their eight points early in the ballgame. And we'll update some other scores as games are being played 
Tennessee leading Tennessee Tech 2 to nothing. How's that for being on the cutting edge? Right on top of things. That's what we are here on Sports Talk. Jacksonville, ooh, freeze the scoreboard. Jacksonville is leading Duke 6-5 to five in the first half. <coughs> so anyway, college basketball is back in all its glory. Uh, we continue with your phone calls. Phone number 888-898-2525. Love to hear from you tonight. South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number as we go to Bruce in Missouri. All right, Bruce, welcome into Sports Talk. How are you? Well, hey, Phil. I appreciate you taking my call tonight. Yes, sir. Uh, that one major factor in that Abbeville game. I was listening to it, and I got bored. But uh, anyway, uh, they started the clock at halftime and uh, ran it all the way through to didn't stop the clock. Yeah, yeah. That's good that they so did. They just scored 100. Well, I think the whole uh, neighborhood left, too, uh, uh, after the half, too. They didn't have any fans in the stands. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's another map on uh, putting Abbeville on the map for something. Right. Anyway, um, the game of the weekend was um, because of Carolina and Appalachian State, man, that was a heck of a game. That was a a ball game for every football fan. Yeah, it's a fantastic game. Um, Coastal – Played pretty well in a lot of areas. Uh, McCall was sharp once again. They uh, created some turnovers. They're very good at creating turnovers. Uh, they did that. Um, but their own turnover almost let Appalachian State get back into that ball game. That's right. But, you know, but that's what I'm saying. The opponent came back. You know, and that's that's a great game to watch and uh, a fan for you know, the sports fan. Anyway, mm-hmm. the reason I called is because of the uh, full moon that's going to happen to um, this morning and um, coming morning and, and uh, Tuesday, and the the, the three day effect of what happened this weekend. You saw what happened this weekend with all the top playing, um, you know, uh, games and stuff, and you just can't make this stuff up. Mm-hmm. It's a consistent, and it's also a blood moon, which is an eclipse. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the Earth is going to be between the moon and the sun, and therefore it'll leave a uh, a reddish. Uh, you about the um, moon, so mm. you get the blood moon. Mm. Anyway, mm. but um, I hope you uh, get over your coughing and uh, you need to. Uh, <laughs> Me too. Get a shot of uh, good good liquor and uh, take that stuff down right down, and it'll knock it out. Thank you very much. I bought a bottle of uh, bourbon while I was in uh, Nashville. To, uh, to give to my son was in town playing golf with his buddies, and I wanted to uh, surprise him as his birthday. So I bought a, a bottle of bourbon that was uh, from a uh, distiller, from a distillery, about 15 miles from Nashville. It's called Davidson County, or Davidson. Davidson is the name of the – it's supposed to be very, very good. My point is I should have taken a couple of shots of that myself when I had the opportunity. You're right. That would have cured everything. But then I probably uh, had a hard time driving and stuff like that and didn't want to do that. All right. Thank you very much for the phone call. We continue. Phone number 888-898-2525. We have a couple lines now open for the first time all night. You've been trying to get through. Now's a good time. Gamecock Larry. Gamecock Larry over in Swansea. Welcome into Sports Talk. How are you? Good afternoon. Good evening, Mr. Field. Boy, I tell you, it's a great day. Great weekend for the Gamecocks. 
Wonderful football game. Wonderful SEC championship in women's soccer. Mm. Law, uh, Clemson Law. Mm. Uh, had to, had to pull for the Bulldogs. And they didn't. I knew they didn't. They wasn't going to let me down, and they laid it on them. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you something, Gamecock Nation. Remember what happened? The Texas A&M came to town. They had eight false starts. Saturday afternoon at Georgia, broad open daylight. Bro, I mean, the sun's shining down bright. Eight false starts. What do you think they're going to do when they get down here in Gamecock country with the Gamecock nation behind the Gamecock? Hmm. Them lights going on and off and picking this way and that away. Oh, Hendon Hooker, he ain't never seen nothing. He thought Georgia was bad. Hmm. And Georgia was bad. Mm. But we going to be worse. Mm. You're going to lose another game. I feel, I feel better than you guys. I feel like, I mean, I feel better. Uh, let me get this right. All right. Take your time. Take your time. Take your time. Give me a minute. Give me a minute. Got to get the old man. Got to get a time to get his. No, you're good. Get his brain coordinated and calibrated with his mouth. Yes. Uh, okay. Now I got it. Oh, okay. I feel a whole lot better with Tennessee coming to town and tell that other guy that called just a few minutes ago talking about the game cars going 11 0. There's a possibility because I believe we're going to beat Clemson too mm. if we can take care of Florida. Take care of Florida. They're going to have more than eight turn and four stars. Next Saturday night. Come on down there. Who, Hook and Hooper. What's the name? Hopper? Hook and Hopper. Come on down. The game cost. Waiting on you. Waiting on you. Mr. Field, I appreciate you taking my call. Yes, sir. But I feel like a young good man. Or I feel like I, an old man should. Go Gamecocks. I, I think Talk you've gotten you younger. Later. Yeah, I think when the Gamecocks win, uh, Gamecock Larry, I think you, you grow a little younger. Sounds to me like you're more energetic. You're getting after it. Yeah, yeah. That's good. I think it's good for your soul when the Gamecocks win, to be honest with you. All right, thank you for the phone call. Phone number, 888-898-2525. Lines are now open. You had some information, Pat, on the high school football situation? Yeah, just a few notes from around the state. First, Carolina Forest Goose Creek will make a call on their second-round game tomorrow, along with Myrtle Beach West Florence. I just wanted to make a note. For fans out there of those four teams, paying attention to those two different matchups, you should have an answer on when your teams will play sometime tomorrow morning. Uh, then also, Louisville has officially moved its second-round playoff game with Denmark Oler to Thursday at 7.30. Fort Dorchester and Berkeley will play Wednesday night. I do not have a time yet, though, but they will play Wednesday night. And Brooklyn, Casey, and Dillon, that game has been moved to Thursday at 7 p.m., Hammond has moved the Skiza playoff game versus Porter Gla- excuse me, Porter Goud to Thursday at 6.30 p.m. And then two notes, both a bit surprising, two different coaching moves. Johnny Waters has resigned as head football coach at First Baptist, 
Waters was 64 and 33 in nine seasons, uh, winning two state titles along the way. Mm-hmm. Really good run into program that was really bad when he first took over. They were they were 0 and 10 in his first season. Then he did his best Lou Holtz impersonation and really started to build that program. Then May Rivers Rodney Summers has stepped down as head football. Oh, really? Coach. That's the more surprising mm-hmm. one. Yeah, the players were informed this afternoon. Summer, and this is just a note that David Sheldon had added to his his note here. Summers is eligible for state retirement and operates a charter fishing business, mm. so he should be able to keep himself quite busy. But May Rivers Rodney Summers has stepped down as head football coach. Used to be an assistant coach at Richland Northeast, I believe, and also coached, uh, want to say, over at Westwood. I think he might have started that program at Westwood, maybe. And then might be the first coach at May River. I think he might have been the first one down there as well, first or second. He's a good man, good fellow, and um, he also, if, I, if, I, if my memory's right, he was involved in the development of the procedure, well, not filming, I guess videotaping, coming up or helping to distribute, helping to sell this equipment to high schools where you can videotape your game and right on the sideline have your players come over and watch the tape like right away inside this tent this was something that they were um, showing at the high school clinic a few years ago and he was involved with that if if my memory is right so okay well thank you for that uh let's go to the break and we'll come back and get the recruiting report we'll update some basketball scores for you as well continue with your phone calls and zach willis he'll be with us as well coming up at the bottom of the hour to break down what he saw on saturday night from usc and from Clemson. Also got some messages here on our video feed that we'll respond to here coming up in just a little bit as we continue here on this Monday night edition of Sports Talk. When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games. Sit from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the Strawberry Watermelon Margarita or Dangerous Waters. Cheer on the team with Cantina Nachos or Wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. Your home is where your memories live. It's where you laugh and where you love. We understand the importance of the valuables under your roof, tangible and intangible alike. So no matter what's around the corner, we'll be there, offering you and your family the support that's made Farm Bureau Insurance a trusted name for nearly 70 years. You deserve more. You deserve a promise. Learn more at scfbins.com. Call me, Alex Satterfield, at 803 803- 749-9171 for all of your Midlands insurance needs. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, healthcare, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. Life, it has its ups and downs. Sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or dropping your cell phone. 
Maybe it's the bills, rent, or pressure at work. But when it comes to the South Carolina education lottery, you should never feel like playing will solve everything. The lottery is a game. It's played for fun. So set a dollar amount. Expect not to win and make sure responsibilities, family, friends, and work come first. Visit PlayResponsiblySC.com. A couple of comments here on our video feed. People watching and sending us comments or questions. Uh, this is from Tanner. Says Clemson got exposed Saturday. Unfortunately, their schedule is so weak, their playoff dream is over for this year. Okay. Uh, Ray writes, uh, LOL, he isn't coming to Columbia. I guess he's talking about Jeff Scott. And he says, uh, can't believe you're defending Satterfield. That isn't going to happen either. Can't believe you're defending Satterfield. Not defending Satterfield. It's not my place to defend or to suggest a change. I mean, that's not what our position is and what we do. I mean, we can criticize and we can praise and we can, you know, make our observations. I mean, the offense speaks for itself. It hasn't been great. I'm not sitting here defending Satterfield. No, he, he has not built – uh, a good offense at South Carolina now in his second year. So that'll be up to Beamer to make that decision if he feels like he has to make a change. Um, will a change fix it automatically? I mean, you would have thought this year's offense would have been much more dynamic, but I, I think it's still an offense in search of an identity. And I think Chuck Reedy would say the same thing. Um, I think that, uh, you know, with the skilled people that they have in this offense, with the quarterback that they brought in, that uh, much more was expected. You know, an offense that would average in the 420 to 450 category, I think would not have been something out of uh, expectations there. Some An offense averaging 35 to 40 points a game. Again, you look at their numbers, and they're skewed some because of what they did in their games against Georgia State and Charlotte and South Carolina State. You know, they're averaging over 33 points a game. Um, you know, on on the surface, that doesn't look all that bad. But you got to consider the fact that they, you know, they had huge games against Georgia State. They scored 35 points. They scored 56 against Charlotte, 50 against South Carolina State. But um, I will say I thought, you know, even though they lost 44-30 to Arkansas – you know, they had uh, some good moments offensively in that game. It was a defense that was you know, a bit of a concern there because they couldn't stop Arkansas. Then, of course, everything went bad against Georgia. Um, they beat Kentucky without a great offensive showing, scoring 24 points. They beat Texas A&M. Uh, again, they, they went progressively down yardage-wise from over 500 yards against Charlotte. They had fewer against State. They had fewer against Kentucky. Had fewer yards against A&M. Had fewer yards against Missouri. They bounced it back against uh, Vanderbilt this past weekend and went back up. But they hurt themselves with penalties. They had 12 penalties, 11 in the second half alone. 
Not, not all those were on the offense, but they did have too many holding penalties on the offense and too many holding penalties in the secondary. You know, you're not going to beat Florida like that. You better clean that up in a hurry. But I'm not going to sit here. No, by no means am I suggesting that Marcus Satterfield has done a good job. He hasn't. He hasn't built a good offense in South Carolina. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say he needs to be fired. That's not my job. You know? Um, If this were a show based strictly on the Gamecocks and I had a rooting interest that's something I could say or couldn't say. We don't do that, – that's not our position here. Same thing with Clemson. If this were a Clemson show and we had some kind of a rooting interest in what Clemson does and we felt that coach wasn't very good, we could say this coach should be fired. But we're not. And I don't think it's our place as somebody – to me, you got to have kind of a rooting interest, like with the Packers. Okay, I'm ready to trade Aaron Rodgers. No, I'm kidding. But, I mean, I'm ready to fire somebody. Because I'm a Packers fan, okay? I don't like what I'm seeing, and they shouldn't be in this position. You know, I don't take that position with the teams that we cover, so I'm not going to sit here and suggest that. But I, I will say Marcus Satterfield has not done the job of building uh, a high-level modern offense at South Carolina to this point based on what we've seen against the good teams on the schedule, you know, against the better teams on the schedule. Did a nice job against North Carolina the bowl game. Didn't see much of that kind of stuff until this past weekend. Did a nice job against Vanderbilt. Let's see what they do against Florida. See if they play with that wide open mentality, that I'm not scared to call this, I'm not scared to call that mentality, and then go out and execute it. And then we'll know kind of where they're heading with this offense here down the stretch. All right, thank you for the phone call and for the comments. Let's go back to the phones. 888-898-2525 is the phone number. And we're going to head next to Josh from Parts Unknown. Must be hiding from the IRS. Josh, welcome in. How are you? Hey, Phil Cornblue. How you doing? Good, sir. It's good to have you with us. Hey, listen, from the beginning, you have been the OG, the original gangster of talk radio especially for high school football yes sir and uh, y'all giving updates on high school football and everything and as i was driving i was thinking you know what's really disturbing about uh, or disconcerting about high school football what do you do about the privates because you talk about denmark or different places like that mm-hmm. you know you know you have no chance going in because you're playing against schools that play players from the transfer portal, but hmm. you don't have a portal. Hmm. You're you're playing with who mama sends you. And uh, hmm. really, high school football needs a voice like yours right now and a couple of more people. And uh, Well, my uh, voice wouldn't carry much weight, but a David Shelton, a Lou Bajak, uh, some of the high school beat writers – who are, you know, do the polls and cover the teams in person and all that, they would certainly carry much more weight. But I hear what you're saying, and I agree with you 100%. No knock on the well, – I, I get confused. Charter schools, private schools. No, no, schools, no, 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 no. It, it is a knock, and, and your voice would carry weight well, because you've been there from the beginning. They pick who plays for them, and these other guys are playing – 
okay, uh, you take Abbeville, for example. They're playing with Abbeville kids, and uh, they're going to go up against kids that are from all over the state of South Carolina. You take Southside Christian, Christ Church, St. Joseph's, they're all over from the upstate. I mean, it's, it's not fair. And uh, I agree with you 100%, uh, and I've, <laughs> I've made that point, and I think – I was questioning this the last week. We were having when Ridgeview was going through its issue. How can you penalize Ridgeview? You know, when you had players that were from a different uh, residential district, and I guess they couldn't prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that they had established a true residency in that district, and they kicked the entire team out of the playoffs and make them forfeit every game. Yet you, as you pointed out, you've got these other schools that have players from all over the place that are allowed to play. That That is patently unfair, patently unfair. And really, those those schools ought to get together and have their own league, have their own playoffs. Why they are allowed in the high school league to play under the same rules as everybody else, but that's not enforced, is beyond me. Amen, brother. Paul, amen. And, and they do have their own league. It's called Skiza. If you want to be a private school and a group who plays for you, play in Skeezer. Mm. If you want to be a public school and play under South Carolina High School League rules, play under the rules. But nobody's enforcing the rules and uh, it's, it's just well, it's why not haven't, fair. Why, why haven't schools right like now. Abbeville and Denmark Oler and Wagner Sally and Barnwell and all these others said something about it and, and done something about it? They outnumber these other do? schools 20 to 1. <laughs> What are you going to do? And Georgia has the best solution, and that is that for every kid outside of your attendance zone, there's a multiplier there, so it raises your classification. That's the solution to it. Well, they did that in South Carolina. No, no, they didn't. Yeah, yeah, they made, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, I believe they made Christchurch, Oceanside, Legion, uh, Gray, they nah. all had to play up. Yeah, I think they all had to play no, up a division. Christchurch, Christchurch is one A. Southside Christians one A. St. Joseph's one A. Uh, Gray Collegiate is two A. Nobody's playing up. No, no, they did. They did not make that rule in South Carolina, and uh, something has not dropped at the high school league. I don't know what that is. Maybe we can figure it out. But something hadn't dropped, and nobody's made a decision on anything. And uh, so what you got is a bunch of kids, you know, that play for their hometown school playing all-star teams. And uh, they, they, there should be an asterisk beside the state championships of those guys. It's not fair. Yeah. It's not fair. It's not right. Well, I thank you very much. I agree with you. And this is no shot at anybody at those schools. I mean, you know, they're good people. They're good coaches. And they bring in or they're able to get their play. Look, they're they're – they're doing what they're allowed to do. Who wouldn't? But I do think it's unfair that a, a normal, regular high school in South Carolina, which gets its players from its student body, which comes from their school district, has to go up against a school that can pull in athletes from three, four, five counties away, 50, 60 miles away. And you know what's happening, as he pointed out. Thank you very much. Be right back.
right, up in the upstate, Clemson and Citadel locked up in a good one. And Tigers are up 27-26. 5.46 to play in the opening half. Shefflin's got eight for the Tigers. And so does Hunter. And Durr has nine for the Citadel at this point. He's five for five from the line. Clemson shooting 52%. The Citadel shooting 43%. Not many turnovers. And rebounds, pretty even. So, good one going on. 29-26. It is uh, Clemson leading the Citadel in the season opener up at Little John Coliseum. We are forced to talk basketball right now because they have forced the season upon us. But it is still football season, ladies and gentlemen. And we won't say football is over until we say it's over. And it ain't over yet. We got a few more weeks to go, including the postseason of some sort. It is time for first and ten here on Sports Talk. First up for about ten minutes every Monday to look back at things. We welcome in the coach Zach Willis to Sports Talk. Coach, good evening. How are you? Doing great, Phil. How are you guys doing? We are doing terrific, terrific. It's great to have you with us. So Clemson laid a big old mm. egg up at Notre Dame. We got, we got to give Notre Dame a lot of credit. Obviously, uh, played much better than a three-loss team. Seemed to be a team that's kind of finding their legs now, figuring things out under their first-year head coach. Did so with a um, uh, a quarterback that you would consider to be um, not high-level, but a high-level running game that Clemson never could get under control. Well, you know, Phil, it really did start with their defense and uh, two, two big issues. Um, the first one was they couldn't line up correctly to Notre Dame's multiple formations. And that was more obvious, I think, to folks. I've heard I've heard from a lot of people before this show even started tonight. I want to thank everybody for their input. Um, but honestly, they never did. They never really got it going as far as lining up correctly to the, the, the two tight end formation and then the three tight end formation. And the big deal, the really big deal, was they were lining up at some times with only three defensive linemen in a 3-4 look and trying to adjust out of that against a 2-3 and three tight end look. I think the most I saw against their 13 personnel, which are three tight ends, basically extra offensive linemen in those situations, and on third and one were four defensive linemen. And you go minimum five defensive linemen in that situation. With the talent Clemson had, they still were able to make a battle out of it until their defense just got absolutely worn out. But... Not a great job of aligning to it, number one. And number two, not matching. We call it matching personnel. Somebody in the press box sees the tight ends coming on to the game or into the game, and you send those linemen out there, especially in short yardage situations. And it was obvious what Notre Dame wanted to do. They wanted to get them misaligned, which they did, and then just pound the running game, and they did a fantastic job of it. Yeah. And then uh, you look at Clemson. Offensively, uh, they didn't get much going in their running game. They finished with a net of 90 yards. Shipley had 63 yards to lead them. In the passing game, they weren't stellar either by any means, 191 through the air. (coughs) A couple of uh, picks, one by Uyangale and one by Klubnik. And now they've really, once again, found themselves in a bit of a quandary when it comes to the quarterback situation. They have created the revolving door scenario now, and What's going to happen moving forward there if Uyangale, who I presume remains the starter, against Louisville doesn't come out and light it up and be real sharp? 
I, you know, I really don't know, Phil. I mean, they're, they're in a tough spot. I've got a ton of confidence in that staff. Their track record speaks for itself, especially Dabo's ability to manage situations like this. He knows his team probably better or as good as anybody in the country, better than probably anybody, uh, except maybe Brian Kelly and maybe Coach Saban and Heupel at this point and Kirby Smart. That would be the group I'd put him in. But, you know, two games ago, before the Syracuse game, Uyunglele seemed to have having a great season, everything's rolling along, and the mm-hmm. wheels are just falling off mentally for him. And I don't know. That's I'm not sure hit the staff could tell you if they wanted to what's going on with him. He might not be able to. Based on what we were saw, he was taking a lot of coverage sacks, three-step drop stuff, and he's not cutting the ball loose or throwing it away. Um, I don't know. It's, it was concerning to me just to watch as a coach because I've been in those situations, and they are some of the toughest you go through as a coach. But if anybody – can get them out of it. That's the staff that can do it. Hard to believe, though, a team like Clemson, with their offensive reputation and prowess, they went nine straight possessions, not counting into the half, nine straight possessions without scoring before they finally got a score there in the fourth quarter. I was flabbergasted. I, I, You know, we kind of talked back and forth, and it's just – Defensively, I figured out immediately when I rewatched it. Watching it again, it's just more confusing than ever. He had protection at times, and, and they they couldn't establish a steady run game, which I think they kept expecting. Hey, we'll make some plays like we always do. The kids will make plays, and they call the game according to that, and it just did not deliver. And you know, Notre Dame got away with some stuff, but basically in ACC, I think Clemson is the whipping boy with the officials. They don't get calls. They're not like the, the other elite teams in their conferences that get calls. ACC does not do that with them, and they didn't do it. They didn't get any benefits from the Zebras now. That wasn't the cause of their loss. I'm not going to blame them. But they had some open receivers that got drugged down by the jerseys, and that's a fact. That happened. It, it happened quite a bit in that ball game. but that happens every game with them. And they still beat people. You have to do that if you're going to be a champion. They've done it in the past, so that's no excuse. Huh. So you think Notre Dame got the favorite Irish treatment? I will tell you this, and I'll stand my put my reputation on this. Michigan, Ohio State, and Notre Dame are politically above every other school in the country, any school in the SEC, you name it, when it comes to the NCAA or anything to do with college football. And I'm passionate about that. Yeah, I've seen it firsthand. In Michigan State, we beat Michigan 8 out of 10 years. And for 10 out of 10 years, they were an average preseason of 19 spots nationally better than we were at Michigan State. And if you hear some intensity in my voice, it is there. Yeah, I still have a problem with that. We whipped them, and I'll leave it at what we whipped them like because I don't want, don't want to mess up your show. Mm. But they, they, we, we own that series. But when it came to politics, when it came to media coverage, when it came to everything, Notre Dame, Michigan, and Ohio State are untouchable. And they've just planted those other two teams. And said, oh, we'll just take the winner out of these two. They're automatically better. You can't tell me the Big Ten top to bottom is even close to the SEC or the ACC for that matter. Look at Northwestern, who who almost whipped Ohio State. But they won't suffer for that, okay? A, a, a one-win team. Nobody will say a word. The national media will ignore it. And Clemson, oh, they're dead and buried. Alabama's dead and buried for what? For losing to, at Tennessee and at LSU on a two-point conversion and a last-minute field goal. That's ridiculous. Uh, anybody that knows anything about football. But now, if you know about po- the political end of it, as you do feel, you were talking about the high school end of it, it's the same version of what you were dealing with in South Carolina with those, those charter schools, the same thing, only it's in the rankings and in the politics that 
the coaches do not control, unfortunately. Yeah. All right, let's go to and, and I agree with you about Alabama. We had somebody call tonight saying, "Hey, you know, uh, Saban can't coach anymore. He's got bad oh. coaches." And, I, and I'm like, you know, look, <laughs> they lost by a kick at Tennessee, and they lost by a two point conversion at LSU. And I mean, are they short they said, in a couple of areas? I mean, maybe they. I, you know, I hear their receivers. You know, the analysts say the receivers aren't as dynamic as they're used to having, and all that kind of stuff. But it's Alabama. And they're still going to attract the very best players in the country. Yeah, absolutely. And whoever, only Auburn fans or people that hate Alabama or hate Clemson, for that matter, are burying these kid, these people and these kids. And to say Nick Saban can't coach, well, I guess Santa Claus can't do Christmas either. either. You know, I'm not, come on. Are you, are, are, what are you smoking out there saying something? <laughs> That's crazy. I've kept coached against him. Trust me, he can coach. He knows what he's doing. You roll, roll with your team out there against his and see what happens. That's all I'd say about that. All right, Crazy. let's go to uh, <laughs> let's go to Gamecocks, and uh, they go to Vandy and they do what they're supposed to do. And I'll say this: one thing about South Carolina under Shane Beamer is they've done in almost two full years what they're expected to do. Maybe that lost to Missouri last week because they were expected to win that game. Their favorite, and they were at home, and they blew it. That might be one black mark against them there. But the most part, they've taken care of their business against the teams that they should they should handle. And they did that against Vanderbilt. And I thought that offensively, of course, they were much more creative, much more um, uh, outside the box, I guess, with their play calling, which you'd like to see them try and do that against the better teams on their schedule. I think that's a great – they're like a schoolyard bully, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. If a team's weak or even with them, they'll go at it like, no, there's no tomorrow. We don't want to see them go stand in the corner when the big dog comes in the schoolyard. We want to see them go toe-to-toe. And it's not a matter of being afraid of them. I want to make sure the listeners aren't thinking that. The The deal is they, they're they conservative because they don't want to create mistakes that cost them a game, and they know there's a low margin for error. I think that's probably – and it's sound thinking – but you got to play to win. Back to your point, Phil. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and I'll say this: hundred percent agree. Most consistent staff, as far as not blowing games that, we, that I've seen at South Carolina, including the ones I was a part of. We, you know, we beat Georgia and lose to East Carolina the next week and frustrate the, the mess out of you. But this team, other than Missouri, and I think what happened there was when Lloyd went down, they kind of got caught. You know. Hey, what do we do? And they tried to do the same things without him there, and he's so dynamic. They had a week to prepare without him, and they came out and did a great job. So hmm. they adjusted. They made adjustments. We saw improvement from one week to the next without him. And, you know, Missouri beat them by a field goal, beat Vanderbilt by a field goal. So we saw South Carolina, and Missouri had them in Columbia, Missouri. So South Carolina improved from week to week. That's really all you can ask. They're doing a nice job in my book. I mean, there's really nothing you can say bad about them, in my opinion. You know, hey, they made the adjustment, they moved on, and that's what Clemson's going to have to do. We've got to see them, especially at the quarterback position, get some productivity. South Carolina's doing that. Uh, they're at different levels, but they're both doing they're doing what they need to do. What'd you think of the quarterback play? What'd you think of how they used Jaheim Bell? What'd you think of some of the uh, trickeration that they added into the offensive play calling? Uh, you know, there's two kind of time, uh, trick plays. There's ones that are sound and solid and realistic, yet creative. And, and then there are ones that are not, and they're kind of foolish looking, and they're ill-executed. South Carolina was rock solid. They were that way down the stretch against Texas a and When Lloyd went out for a little bit, they ran a reverse and a couple other things. The use of Bell was spot on. I, I think it was as good a coordinated game as they've had. The only one other one I 
with, say, offensive coordinating line was just as good, if not better, was the bowl game last year when they beat North Carolina. Um, uh, both of those are extremely well-coached games. And, and really, as bad as people have said they are at times, a lot of times you, you get outmatched talent-wise by a Georgia or somebody. That costs you your creativity or how good you're going to look because the other team's better than you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but when they've had their chances, and they got caught off guard against Missouri with the injury, I think Lloyd is a big-time leader as well as a big-time player, and that means a ton. They did a great job adjusting, and my hat's off to them. I mean, that's from a coaching standpoint, that's the kind of stuff you want to see, and they got to be proud of that win. I, I'm sure Beamer was Shane was grinning on that field big time, and he should. He should be proud because that was a great coaching job to get that team rallied back, fired up, and going into a half-empty stadium and really outplaying an inferior opponent and putting them away fairly early on and taking care of business and not letting them back in the game. He did everything that – Gamecock fans worry about. They they made sure they didn't have to worry about it in Nashville. That was a great job. Yeah, yeah. But but there's always something. You know, you'd like to have that game <laughs> where there isn't something. There's always something. And no. they couldn't stop the run well against Vanderbilt. It's like, you know, this team that had looked so good on the defensive front and kind of gotten stronger and, and done a better job. And um, they got handled by Vanderbilt up front. That running back, 167 yards, gave up some long runs, some long drives, uh, you know, on the defense. And, and you got to be worried about that, certainly, going to Florida. Well, I think to a, to a degree you do. That I think probably more they were emphasizing in this game, let's don't give up the big plays. And once they got up in the game, it changed what they were doing defensively to a degree. Mm-hmm. And their aggression, they played more people, which they should do. You get a big lead like that. You know, late in that game, they were up big. They played some reserves, and those reserves made some mistakes, and Vanderbilt was able to push some of those kids around. Um, the intensity on defense was definitely not what it was against Texas A&M, and honestly, you know it's not going to be. I mean, I, I, you want it to be, but it's not going to be because they know it's Vanderbilt, and they're looking at the scoreboard and going, hey, you know, we, we got this. And this is dangerous, but you have to manage it. You have to stay on them. I thought they did a good job of staying on them. It wasn't pretty, but Vanderbilt's playing for their lives over there. They give out scholarships too. Are they as talented as Carolina? No, not not close. Uh, they're not as talented as anybody else in the SEC. They're at the bottom, and there's a reason for that, and we all know it's academics. But, you know, as far as I'm concerned, yeah, it, it's something It's a great thing to hammer this week because you've got confidence now, you've got to win, and that's something that – they can go in that defensive meeting room and bless out the defense for giving up 27 points to Vanderbilt and have them have them with their hair on fire for Saturday. So it's a great, as you said, there's always one thing, and a good coach always finds that one thing. Is 27 points too much? Realistically, as long as 37 wouldn't be too much as long as you win. Mm. But for the down down the road and the coaching part of it, you're gonna you know raise holy heck as, as much as you can this week and be all over them because their confidence can take it. So it's a, that's a great point, and it's true. They didn't play great against the run, but they didn't have to for this game. And when you're building a program, you do whatever you can to win. And they knew the long ball, which I don't think Vandy was capable of really hitting and hurting with them. They didn't want to take that away and make them beat them with the clock running, and they couldn't do it. They didn't have enough time nor the talent to do that and get to 39 points. Yeah, they did have – they had the 166 yard on their – possession uh early in the first half uh vandy threw a 66 yard touchdown pass to skinner remember that one uh yeah, oh yeah i mean other than that they only had their longest their their longest reception beyond that was just 28 yards and then everything 
After that, the longest catch was 13 yards. So they really just gave up the one super long pass and one medium long pass. And they, and that, that's you know they're not to a point where they can go out there and dictate terms to even Vanderbilt. They're going to get some plays run on them. You know, when we're looking at them, the expectation at this point in year two of a to complete rebuild, they're bowl eligible too. We don't need to. That's that's a whole extra month of practices they just picked up. Uh, that they're going to have on next year. It's going to make next year's team better. Should make recruiting better, hopefully. Um, that's a big, big, big win. And and here's the thing: so you say we look at you know, it's a solid win. It's a solid win. No. That's a bowl-clinching win, and that would have been a catastrophic loss in the beginning of a, lo- a horrible losing streak and maybe in the end of their season mm. if they lose that game. So that's a massive win, and I think what they were doing at the point they got up big, when they got to that, that big lead there in the third quarter, they're thinking, okay, we're going to manage this game, and there's only no way that Vanderbilt gets back in this thing. They can run the ball. We'll give them the run. We'll tackle them, let the clock run, but we're not giving up the big play again if we can help it. At least that's what the coaches are saying. And, of course, the kids, it, they still see Vanderbilt. They're not as good as us. It's just like they did against Kentucky until Kentucky whipped them enough they respected them. Once they respect them, then what happens? They go up and, and beat them in, in Lexington, beat one of the better Kentucky teams they've ever seen. But it's all about mentality of those kids. And I think Shane Beamer, I don't, again, don't know his secret, but he's doing a great job of managing expectations and getting these kids amped up. He, they've come out a lot stronger for their talent level than most schools have. Alabama's had down games. I mean, they barely beat Texas. Have struggled against Texas A&M. Lost two games. Now, for Alabama's level of talent, that's not good. For for South Carolina's level of talent, I'd give them an A plus right now for what they're doing. Phil. I mean, if it was six and three, who would have took six and three? I think we all would have. Uh, for the Gamecocks. Now, Clemson, that's not acceptable. So we got different expectations from a coaching standpoint. Mm-hmm. But South Carolina is way ahead of schedule. Who would have thought they'd beat Texas a We could have took pretty much everybody in Columbia and the whole state of South Carolina's paycheck if we'd have told them they were going to win that game when they hired Shane Beamer. All they right, my friend. Year. Thank you so much. Always great stuff from you. Great analysis. Good breakdown on everything. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Okay, the coach, Zach Willis, first and 10 with us here on Sports Talk. Always great hearing from him, getting his take on what he saw from over the weekend. At the half, Clemson has bolted 45-31. This thing was tied, right? Uh, Tigers on a 23-5 run over the final 7-0-9. They lead at the half, 45-31. How about Chase Hunter, man? 19 points, 7 of 10 shooting for him, including three of three behind the arc. We'll be right back with recruiting and wrap it up. South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions plated for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow-roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at sccattle.org. Beef. It's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program. Hi, this is Phil Kornblut of Sports Talk here with Major Billy Downer of the Department of Natural Resources. What words of wisdom do you have for those hitting the water this summer? Phil, collisions can be prevented easily if every vessel operator fulfills three major responsibilities. One, practice good seamanship. 
It's the responsibility of every boater PwC operator to take all necessary action to avoid a collision. Two, keep a proper lookout. Failing to keep a sharp lookout is the most common cause of boating collisions. And finally, maintain a safe speed. Remember, boat safe, boat smart. If an insurance company is there to sell you insurance, shouldn't it also be there to service it with real people? At Farm Bureau Insurance, we're here to help with experienced agents ready to provide personal service when you need it most. Call today for your free no-obligation review for auto, home, and life insurance that's custom-tailored just for you. Whether it's home, auto, or life insurance, Buddy Bridges and Farm Bureau Insurance have the right policy for you. Call Buddy today in Lawrence County at 864-923-2174. South Carolina Farm Bureau Mutual Insurance Company, Southern Farm Bureau Casualty Insurance Company, Southern Farm Bureau Life Insurance Company, Jackson, Mississippi. Give you the recruiting on this Monday night, always brought to you by Seawells for the very best in the catering business for nearly 80 years. All you got to do is call the Seawells family. What you going to do? You're going to call the Seawells at 803-771-7385. All that ends wells begins with Seawells. I just made that up. How about that for a little commercial jingle? All that ends wells begins with Seawells. Love it. Anyway, their facility on Rosewood Drive, 1125 Rosewood Drive, a great place to host your event. And, of course, the Daily Luncheon Buffet, another week of that, 11 till 2. Make sure you get out and enjoy it. Only 13 bucks for the best buffet in the state of South Carolina. Recruiting basketball. Yesterday, Clemson target 6'2", Mike Williams of Baltimore, committed to LSU. On Friday, USC women picked up 6'3", Chloe Kitts, of Orlando. She's going to enroll in January. She's starting her career early and she chose USC over Arizona, Louisville, Duke, NC State, and Oklahoma. Averaged 19 points, 8 rebounds per game last season. Was a member of the 22 USA basketball under 18 national team that won the gold medal. Football. USC commitment Cameron Sandlin was expected to take an official visit to Mississippi State over the weekend. That was according to the Mississippi State 24-7 sports site. But Hale McGranahan of the Big Spur checked in with him on Sunday. He did not make that trip over the weekend. USC commitment offensive tackle Isaiah Jada of Snow Junior College, Utah, was offered by NC State. USC 24 commitment cornerback Carson Hobbs of Cincinnati went to Notre Dame Saturday. USC target athlete Isaiah Johnson of Richmond was offered by Wake Forest. Clemson target running back Jamarius Haynes was offered by Washington State. Clemson target safety Khalil Barnes made his official visit to Notre Dame over the weekend. He has one set for Clemson November 25th. Let's make him a corner, not a safety, and a receiver. 2024 tight end Michael Smith of Savannah named a top eight of USC, Tennessee, Ohio State, Alabama, Florida, Arkansas, Texas, and Penn State. USC Clemson target, 24 tight end, Caleb Odom was at LSU Saturday. 24 safety target, K.J. Bolden was at Georgia Saturday. USC Clemson both after him. Another one they're both pursuing, 24 receiver, Jonathan Paler. He was at NC State Saturday. Clemson target, 24 receiver, Alex Taylor was at NC State Saturday. USC target, 24 safety, Cameron McKell was at Georgia Saturday. Clemson target, 24 offensive tackle Blake Frazier was at Oklahoma Saturday. Clemson target, 24 tight end Christian 
Bentonker was at Iowa State. USC and Clemson target offensive tackle Fletcher Westfall was at Georgia. USC Clemson target 24 tight end defensive end King Joseph Edwards was at Joseph was at uh, Georgia. Clemson target 24 offensive tackle Daniel Calhoun was at Georgia. Lawrence Manning linebacker Brandon King committed to Coastal Carolina. Cam Pringle of Woodland went to NC State on Saturday. That'll do it. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, everybody. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow. Talking Tuesday. 